Tech Talks is partnered with Tom's, the only music shop for all of our audio needs for season two. Tom's has helped us successfully kit out our operation to cope with the unique situation of these challenging times and have given us an M-Audio Air 192 for Vocal Studio Pro, which is basically an all-in-one starter pack with a high-quality condenser mic, studio-quality headphones, and this slick, easy-to-use audio interface that I'm actually using right now. And for somebody like me who's slightly technically challenged, it was the easiest to set up on my Mac, and it's geared towards creating the highest studio-quality recordings. So sit back and enjoy this week's podcast. And welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to the front woman for one of the most hardworking live electronic acts in South Africa. As the captain of the award-winning chart-topping ship that is Good Luck, their debut album gave us a record-breaking number of top 10 singles in South Africa, and their tasty blend of electronica and jazz and pop has seen them carve out a niche for themselves that is seemingly unstoppable. I am, of course, talking about the fabulous force that is Juliet Harding. Jules, welcome. Hello, Tex. How are you? I am so good, my darling. But now, I was thinking the other day, like you and I, we go, we go way back. We go so far back that I actually remember uh, Jack Sharp, which was essentially the band oh. that became. Yeah, that's <laughs> old school. <laughs> Exactly, which was essentially the band that became Good Luck. And I remember yeah. going to your album launch at the Planetarium at like in like 2008 or something. And I know that media and people in general are quick to talk about, you know, success being attained overnight. But you, you guys have been out here hustling for like a minute. I know, we have. It's been a whirlwind, but I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, Ben and I are probably two of the most hardworking people <laughs> in this country and it's I, I mean I'm not always proud of it because I think we we sometimes lose a bit of focus on what's important but you know we have been working very hard since the days of Jack Sharp and um, just really we've tried our absolute level best to make a career out of music which is um, not an easy thing to do you know so yeah here we sit almost I think it's like 11 years almost later it's crazy yeah, almost 11 years. I, I read a very interesting interview you did with, uh, I think it was entrepreneur.com, where you said that Good Luck started out as a, as a side project hustle and, and that you and Ben didn't actually know anything about how to produce electronic music. You just had a yeah. collective love for, for the genre and a vision that, you know, you could uh, perform in more venues if you changed things up. What made you both so sure that, like, this was it? You know, Ben came to me um, first off. We were doing, you said, Jack Sharp, and we were in this African Afro pop outfit, and um, we had performed pretty much every single live venue that we could perform as a four piece, four piece band. Um, and we were realizing how difficult it would be to cut it as a musician, you know, in, in South Africa, just because there wasn't there weren't many opportunities to perform live, but there were quite a lot of nightclubs. <laughs> And um, he obviously had a brother who was, had started an electronic project who we all know very well called mm -hmm. Goldfish. And they were playing um, different sort of bars and pubs around Cape Town and, and were starting to tour a bit and were starting to 
kind of move out of the the club scene into the festival scene um, and leaving a little bit of a, a gap, I guess. And and we were and and Ben had always had this love for electronic music since he was young. And he came to me and said, you know, would you be keen to kind of remold our songs so we can play more venues and you know maybe just kind of I don't know play the odd sundowner bar club. Um, and bring this idea of live music into the electronic space where people would traditionally just like to dance and listen to a DJ. Mm. And at the first, I mean, I had no experience in in that side and in, in that kind of genre. And I was like a bit apprehensive because I was like, I don't really know that genre. You know, I'm a sort of a pop rock girl, you know. And um, but then we sat. I mean, he literally learned how to how to produce in like two weeks he just watched a whole bunch of what? Like, ableton tutorial videos <laughs> and he booked a show at Waterbar in claremont opening for sean duvet and he was like we're gonna just do this you know and he took all our jack shop songs and he remixed them all of them in two weeks i don't know how he did it i still i it's beyond like i can't remember how crazy it was but it must have been crazy technical whiz. and yeah and in two weeks we put together this show which you know obviously it wasn't amazing but it was enough to make us want to do it again and that's kind of where it all started yeah so the last time I sat down with you and Ben actually was when I came to your old home studio in Rondebosch and I remember yeah you guys were like in a bit of a strange space because it was after the success of Creatures of the Desert and you guys were sitting on all of these new recorded tracks mm. and you weren't quite sure what like the next step was going to be and how you were going to play things and I remember you you played me a snippet of back in the day, which obviously, you know, you did uh, yeah. Hafner and you guys like yeah. went on to do amazing things with it. Looking back now on like that time, do you think that you were ready for that roller coaster? I don't think you're ever ready, you know. It's just from I think the music industry is always just about putting one foot in front of the other and always just just keeping your heart in the adventure and dreaming up the next adventure. And I think that's where we've been so lucky is that we've had Ben who is this incredible visionary in our band um I, I don't know if you've been watching these this, this the last dance on Netflix which has got like Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman and Scotty Pippen and all these basketball I'm players I'm obsessed we've, with that series uh, it's such a great series and we've just taken it so much on board for our team because Ben is Michael Jordan in our team um I'm definitely Dennis Rodman <laughs> And and we've decided that Tim is Scotty Pippen, <laughs> um, who's the new member of the band, by the way. Um, but yeah, so 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 Ben is, you know, he's the visionary. He's the guy who comes up with these crazy ideas and and really pushes us to be better. And I mean, often I I just when he comes to me with an idea, my instant reaction is just like, why? Because it's always it's always something that in the moment seems like insurmountable. It seems like you cannot do it. And um, but then we just managed to pull together as a team. We managed to make a plan. And I think that's why we've had such a long, long career is that we've had this incredible imaginer in our band who's always creating new concepts, new ideas and pushing us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he's, been, he's been doing it since day one. I mean, you spoke about the Creatures of the Night, like the Desert album. You know, that's, that, that was a crazy concept when he came to us. He's like, I want to take the whole studio outside. I want to record around Namibia for two weeks. Um, and I want to film a documentary about it. And it was a massive undertaking, you know. Um, I mean, I won't even get into the details, but let's just say it would, like almost broke me and the team that we had working on it. But he, he challenges us. He pushes us. And you need that person to be that visionary, you know. I yeah. mean, 
mean, let's talk a little bit about that whole uh, Creatures of the Night slash Creatures of the Desert project. I mean, you you say you don't want to get into it, but that's why we're here. (laughs) I'm going to draw this out of you. Um, So how how long were you in Namibia for? So we took a whole crew of people, uh, film crew, producers, director, editors, uh, there were there were four full vehicles of um, of us that we headed into Nubia for two weeks, and um, the whole project was was it was sort of twofold. The one was to get inspired and to record in places that were just like completely isolated that could emulate a studio, like Sauce's Play and Dead Flare, where if there's no wind, mm. it literally is as quiet as a studio. You don't need walls and sort of isolated booths to make you sound good. It's just deadly quiet. Um, so the one the one sort of main goal was to record us in an inspiring outdoor location and just to keep it fresh for the band and then the second the second goal was to capture the sounds of the country in the desert and you know he had all of the this list this long list of things he wanted to capture and did a lot of research prior to leaving um like the musical rocks that are infamous from Namibia, like the white noise um from from the water rushing over the boulders at along the skeleton coast uh, like we caught the zebras and the Tasha Pan, um, we, we captured the echo. You know, where the, we dropped microphones over the Fisher River Canyon and captured the played out sounds and captured the delay, delay as a, as an echo effect. Like we did so many crazy things, and um, everything that we wanted to do was imagined, thought out, planned. This long list of, of sounds that Ben wanted to capture and include this organic feeling in the in the music. And I think it's been a big intention of ours since the beginning is always to put some level of organic instrumentation into our music. So yes, we make pop, yes, we make electronic, yes, it's dancey, mm-hmm. but there's layers and there's depth and there's feeling and there's like an energy that you can't capture in a sterile kind of in-the-box environment with samples. You know, you just can't. So um, so yeah, so that project was two weeks around the country, crazy permits we had to get. I don't know if you've ever been to Nubia, but they're very strict. They're not... Um, it's not the kind of African country you can just slip someone a hundred bucks and they'll let you in. Um, very strict. And we got caught a couple of times, uh, you know, with uh, almost <laughs> not kicked out, but, you know, we got in trouble a couple of times actually for kind of pushing the rules a bit, being late mm-hmm. for things, whatever. And um, being late. So, yeah, we were, we were late um, to the gate. And in Namibia, um, they're very strict. Their policies are very strict. They, they, you know, they have remarkable regard for their country and I guess uh, their national treasures. Um, so we were one of the only five people that were allowed to enter the uh, Sausage Flay National Reserve at night. I, I think five, five people, people in the history, history of time have been allowed in there to shoot at night. And we were told strictly we had to be out by midnight. But the recording location to the gate is a 60-kilometer drive. So we were 15 minutes late because we had to lug all this equipment over sand dunes and it was quite a thing. And we got to the gate 15 minutes after midnight. Um, the guard wouldn't let us out because we were late. So they actually phoned the minister in Namibia in Vintuk, woke them up, got them out of bed and asked whether we were allowed out or whether they had to hold us there as like, I don't know, punishment for being late. So, it, you know, it's just a very, I mean, it's I respect it. They, they really do look after their country and they really do have um, very high regard for the rules. Uh, but we... Yeah, so we got into one or two situations where we were kind of pushing it a bit, running behind schedule, and um, and we had to obviously profusely apologize. Uh, yeah, just crazy. 
Have you been back to Namibia since then? <laughs> yes, no, we have, we have. But again, I, I went, I went actually for a songwriting trip um, for two weeks. I drove from Luderitz to Swakopmund through the desert dunes, uh, which was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And um, chill uh, on the way in because we'd been there and recorded. We had the list of equipment sort of stamped into our passports. They were like, they wanted to search our car. Like second time around, they're like, are you coming here to film? You don't have the right permit. We're like, no, we're not coming here to film. And then they wanted to search. So it's great. It's really good. They just protect, they, they just really look after and protect their country. And, you know, which is beautiful. Mm. I, I know, I mean, Namibia aside, you guys have been doing a lot of traveling over the last year or two. And now with lockdown restricting, I mean, essentially our movements, but also our, our livelihoods and, and you both being to, confined to one space, how are you keeping your mind focused and healthy? We've been very busy during this lockdown. Um, I think both Ben and myself kind of, when the whole thing happened, we made a, a collective decision to just do what we could for other people. Um, not just for our fans, but for those less fortunate. You know, we we had two two situations that unfolded. The one was um, when obviously all our touring was cancelled and our gigs were cancelled, and we were trying to figure out what we we're going to do. Um, ben had this idea of doing a sort of a chat show uh, and just to bring a little bit of light and a little bit of positivity to people in the mornings, and and to do something kind of really just fun and free and um, shine a light on the positive good news stories in in South Africa and in the world at the moment. And so we started this, this thing called the lockdown and we basically became kind of like live streaming specialists <laughs> overnight um, as Ben does. And, um, and yeah, we just started this little sort of Facebook uh, one hour, three times a week live stream, which, which was very popular. Uh, we've actually, we still, we've continued it after the lockdown's been eased a bit and we're doing it once a week now on Wednesdays, which is also really cool. And um, just, you know, different segments of South African culture, cooking, uh, music, comedy, local businesses and encouraging people to support local businesses and then obviously good news stories as well. And it's been great. Uh, so we've been really busy with that. Also, we've we've had this side initiative, which has been to really just help out. You know, I had an experience going out into Freyfront right in the beginning of lockdown just to go and help a friend of mine. And um, I had a really heart-wrenching thing happen where uh, we were we were there. Um, there was a certain amount of food that was provided for the communities that were being fed. And what they do is they feed the kids first and then they feed the adults. And um, there were long lines of people on both sides. And we got sort of two thirds of the way through the kids and we ran out of food entirely. We, di we didn't even get to feeding one adult. And I just like, I, it killed me, it absolutely crushed me. And I, I went home that night and I put this like call out video to our fans and the response was just ridiculous. I, I don't know if it was because I was really emotional, I, you know, or just really sad about it. But um, yeah, the call to action was incredible and we managed to raise over half a million rand since that video. Uh, wow. And we've been plugging that into feeding programs, supporting five at the moment weekly with trucks of organic fruit and veg and also dry ingredients. And um, so that's been great. And, and, and yeah, I mean, a little bit about us, but a lot about our fans and just coordinating that. And then more recently, we've started this new normal Get Lucky streaming artist Thing where we're trying to create like world-class concerts for um, fans that want to support artists during COVID-19 and, and creating, uh, in partnership with Howler, creating a platform for people to still purchase tickets to concerts and watch something that is extraordinary and 
and just a little bit cut above, you know, doing a live Instagram feed um, from your bedroom, you know, something that's like well thought out, well produced, uh, great sound, great lighting, show effect, all that. So yeah, we, we've been very busy and I haven't stopped actually. I feel like I need a holiday after, <laughs> after this thing. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. But I feel like um, being busy kind of keeps your mind occupied so you don't have to dwell on, you know, hardships or any kind of negative, negative attitudes. Yeah. But, but you, um, when you announced your Get Lucky streaming concert series, you, you also gave us a look inside the newly revamped uh, and very pimp studio, by the way, that you have in, in, in Musenberg. But Thank you. I have, have you been here yet? I have I not. I have not. And I was very, oh my goodness, I was very, so very sad on Saturday when, because I, I was going to send one of my photographers to take some photos and to cover the, the show. And, but obviously, you know, with the restrictions, like that didn't happen. But I, I was, I was very jealous because I, yeah, I've been wanting to check out you that space come. for a very long time. I have to come. But, but what's your ultimate vision? For that studio space, you know that's the thing. I mean, we've we've been we've been wanting to do this kind of collaborative musical supporting of artists, supporting of the industry for so long, and obviously just being busy touring all the time and being busy producing music and all the pressures that go with being in a band and all the different layers that go with, you know, with running a successful music business. Um, it's always been pushed to the back of the queue, you know. And I think what's actually been great about COVID is that like. Or uh, I won't call COVID not the right term, but the lockdowns. Eh? Um, it's given us a space to kind of come back into our own feeling of prioritization and what is important to us as individuals, and what what can what do we have the opportunity to kind of bring out that was maybe tucked away for so long? What can we bring out and actually and and ma- and make it a front priority? You know, and so this is one of the things, and I, I think. Yeah, definitely collaborating um, and and creating a world class facility that that where collaborations can happen, but not just from a South African to South African artist. Where internationals can come and work here as well and see the talent that is happening, and and we get intercontinental collaborations going on. And um, yeah, because Cape Town, I mean, everyone wants to come here now. You know, it's it's the mm. new place, and obviously tourism is going to take a knock for a while. But when it opens up. You know, we can expect a huge influx of tourists because it's the place that everyone wants to be. And we would love to be a part of that integration. Um, so this space, I mean, we call it our little Google of music studios because it is like set up to be really fun and really kind of, you know, like Google's workspace is really fun and, mm-hmm. and sort of multidimensional. I think our space is also very, very multidimensional. We have a production studio downstairs. There's a photographic element to it. We have green screens, white screens, black screens. We have um, a really beautifully designed space, you know, architecturally and interior design wise. And then obviously we've got a very big recording studio and it's not commercial in the sense that it's for rent or, or anything like that, but we're open to making awesome creative things happen here. So it's not just for good luck only it's for, it's for the industry. No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you've also become sort like something of a business maven over the last few years because you also launched Get Lucky Records. Yeah. Um, and I know with your label specifically, you said that you're keen on sourcing local talent and giving yes. them a leg up on the local and global stage. Yeah. So what are you looking for 
in the talent that you're scouting? Like, are there any specific sounds or genres? Yeah. Genre is not really a thing. I think um, looking for music, we are looking for music that like speaks to our soul. You know, uh, we've set up a team in Germany that are just phenomenal guys, honest guys, hardworking guys, guys that that actually focus on the playlists and the playlist creatorship side of things because I think that's the new game in the music industry and one thing Mm -hmm. is like the enigma to most musicians especially upcoming and startups like how do you actually get your song in front of the playlist curators it's very difficult um and it is about relationships and and phone calls and the guys you've got on whatsapp and you know it's it's that is actually what it's about um and so here come these two guys with Ro and Sebastian from Germany have years of music experience, uh, run various other labels for themselves and for other people. And um, they're working with us on Get Lucky Records, facilitating the back end through the orchard. And all of us are about music that has soul. So, so I don't mean soul as in the genre, obviously. I mean soul as in something that really kind of speaks to you um, on a songwriting level, on an energy level. and so it's it, it, it's not specific to a certain t- type of genre. Uh, although, having said that, obviously we do play a, a lot more um, safely in the electronic genre because we have a lot more connections in that world, you know. Uh, so it's not closed to any other genre, but I would say we focus more in the electronic in the electronic space. Mm. So I see that you're you're also signed with different labels for different releases. Like you're signed to Sony and Armada and Ultra. Plus, you guys now have your own imprint. Yeah. So how does that essentially work? Like who owns the rights of what? So we, how we generally release a song is we'll start out by releasing it independently. Um, up to this point, we had a deal with Sony Africa for a three year deal that we've just uh, ended now, and so we're releasing independently for South Africa as well. Um, but we essentially start off releasing everything through Get Lucky Records independently. And um, then sometimes what happens is the song starts to buzz. There's interest, uh, you know, it gets picked up to a few playlists. And then we will sub-license it to another label like an Armada who kind of takes it to uh, another level. Obviously, they've got very big reach across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of a big label. And, and for us, it's a nice way to kind of give it a, a second step up. So um, we do sometimes pitch songs directly to them to see if they want to get involved from the beginning. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we are, I'm actually feeling at the moment that the independent releases we're doing are having more traction and, and gaining more momentum on the streaming side. Mm. So I don't really feel that I'm feeling less and less need to kind of align with a big label because um, often they don't really do what they promise. And, um, and if, and if they don't, you know, you probably were better putting in your own intention, energy, and love into your own release, and it would have it would like engender more results at the end of the day. Mm, I think just to go back to what you touched on earlier, um, I think if we, if we look at the general genre trends worldwide, like you can clearly see that the shift over the last five, six, seven years has been towards EDM and also now hip hop um, yeah. crossing over into that mainstream. And I know when I spoke to uh, Ryan Murgatroyd last month, he said like people are waiting for EDM to die down, but it just keeps getting momentum, getting momentum. What do you think it is about electronic music that like people connect with more, more so now than ever? I, it's a very interesting question. I, I think it's, I think it's live events, you know, I think it's bass. 
I, I mean, I, if I get to the root of it, I think it's, I think it's, there, there's some scientific um, study they did about bass having like an endorphin effect on your body and dance music, electronic music, EDM, uh, hip hop even, are very generally have some element of bass that I think, I'm not saying it overrides the other factors, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's just an easier win, you know? Um, you look at the p- producers that produce really minimalist music and have and have very little going on in the songs, but when when the bass comes in or when there's like a, an instrument that, that pushes through, it punches really hard and it hits you in the gut, and those songs tend to be, inverted commas, more popular uh, because it's just more impactful, I think, you know? So I think that there is definitely, um, the live scene has definitely helped make the genre of electronic and EDM and hip hop more popular. But I also think that there is a sway as well to a little bit more. And I I hope it keeps going this route because, you know, at the moment what we've seen is a a big die off on, um, when it's been the pandemic, there's been a massive die off on new music uh, listenership, like 30% drop. Uh, to newer pop releases that have been happening and a huge increase on older songs and more iconic songs. Everyone's been feeling very nostalgic and have been wanting mm. to pull out the songs that have got the messages, you know, that they that they really yearn to hear. And I think, I hope that the new wave of music post-pandemic coming out of it will be a combination of a newer sound with, like a nostalgic legacy is nostalgic way of writing and translating a story into a pop format you know that's my hope anyway because that's what i love to do and that's what i love to listen to as well um but yeah it's a very interesting question i'm not like 100 percent sure on that one i'm just i'm just guessing uh, that's really, really interesting what you said now about um, the drop-off in listenership with new music. I had no idea about that. But it makes sense with people wanting to connect to, like you said, people want, feeling nostalgic, mm. but wanting to connect to like happier times, you know, when we could bry yeah. and, yeah, and exactly. drink with each other, sit but in the it's, sun. But it's catalog. It's old music, like the John Mayers and the Stings and the Beatles and all this really old music has, been, has seen a massive resurgence, resurgence in the last six to eight weeks. It's very interesting, but it goes to show you that kind of music people will go and fall back on when times are tough, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, one of, we, we would, before that we were talking about events, and I mean, one of the other uh, bows to your, your very successful string that you have is you're also a, a very successful event promoter with your Get Lucky str- Summer string of, of gigs. And, yeah, and it's not try. easy. It's no, I mean, it's it's not easy to put on a promoter's yeah. hat and like throw a festival or a string of gigs. Uh, it's uh, it's it's hard. I mean, I've, tough, yeah. I've I've done a few, and it's like it's not easy. But what have been some of like the hardest lessons that you've learned with regards to putting on your event? I mean, like just purely the logistics that went mm-hmm. into your New Year's Eve parties that you did la- at the end of last year was crazy. Yeah, and we don't, you know, the thing is, I mean, this is what um, this is what happens with, with this project is um, we always endeavoring to make it bigger and better every year. And so we've grown from like just a three small gigs at the BI in Plet to like an 11-part uh, 
garden route tour series that marches up and down the garden route over December. And, and like you said, ends up, it culminates in like a five to 6,000 strong New Year's Eve concert happening both simultaneously in Nisland Plate. And it is very hectic to organize these, <laughs> these events. Um, you know, I think we've learned hard lessons of, 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 as artists, what we need to really kind of do is partner with professionals. Um, we have, we've, we've had experiences burning our fingers. We've, we've learned lessons. We've tried to take on too much. You know, we've, we've really pushed ourselves to the point of breaking, you know, I mean, and, and, and you'll arrive at a get lucky event sometimes and Ben will be digging the poles to sink, to <laughs> like put up the LED bunting and stuff, you know, and you just like, and he's on stage in two hours, you know, and this is like, this is what we do. We, there is no job too small for us. Um, and, and I think what we've learned is, is working with professionals, trusting them, and then, and then just curating a fantastic team. And, um, the struggle for me has been to learn to let go. I'm very hands-on. I'm very, like, I'm a very controlling person and I struggle to let other people like, like I, to do the job that, you know, I have a vision. I'm just like, I'll just do it rather than give somebody the, the opportunity to, to try and even fail and then work forward from there, you know? So I'm learning this lesson actually at the moment. It's just delegating and, and working with good people. But I think with Get Lucky, the last season that we had was phenomenal. Um, and it was, we worked with Gareth Wilson, no stranger to the SA music scene. Or be copy. Um, and just what a gem of a human, like what a guy, like what a flipping dude. I, I, you know, just working with him made my whole, whole December fantastic. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think trusting people is a big one. Yeah, I'll shout out Gareth. Gareth is a stalwart of the is of our music scene. Such yeah. a good person, yeah. And he commands respect, you know, and I think he's he's had enough experience to know what works and what doesn't work and how to treat people. And there's nobody that hates him on site, even though he can be a hard ass. There's nobody that everyone ends up loving the guy, which I think is a remarkable it's what we're all about. It's a remarkable thing just to be positive you know as much as you can be yeah it's very important to have the right people around you and I feel like you and Ben have built up a very solid team that's like that's like family now but yeah. um talk to me about your new addition to the family Timmy. you mentioned Tim <laughs> yeah Scotty Pippen um Timmy Timmy came into the picture um in March of this year, and he came in just before K-Day. We obviously threw him into the deep end, like, you know, one of the biggest festivals in the Western Cape. We were like, that's your first gig, 10,000 people, you'll be fine. And uh, he <laughs> he just really, like, took on the challenge head first and jumped right in. Um, he's a remarkable musician. He went to UCT. He studied saxophone, keyboards. He can play a little, but he's uh, it's definitely secondary to his sax, and he, he's been just focused so hard and making sure that his keyboard chops get up to speed for the band and I mean he started piano lessons and he's like so committed and so dedicated and so so just determined to make this um to make himself an integral part of this project and I think for both Ben and I it's like a breath of fresh air you know um and we really are just loving working with him he's a he's a he's, he's 25 or 24 years old he's young but he's so wise. Like we've learned so much from him since March. It's crazy. You know, both Ben and I just have these moments where he doesn't talk much, but when he says something, we're like, whoa, dude, that's very like incredible that you just said that. Um, so it's, it's awesome to be schooled by 
a youngster and to be learning of him. And um, yeah, we've, we're in a really good space at the moment as a band. I'm, I'm having more fun now than I've had in a long time. It's really cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's the dynamic like with Tim? Um, but clearly it's very positive. It's very positive. Um, I think he, you know, anybody who's just got a good heart and a good spirit and ha- has respect um, is is a person you want in your team. And he's all those things. He literally is. He's just always coming to us with um you know, if, there, if there's something that he's unhappy about or something that he wants to talk to us about, he, he doesn't let it fester. He comes and speaks to us directly. I completely respect that. Uh, I, you know, and I, I think he's just a wonderful human. I, I look forward to more time spent. You know, we, we've had two members of the band on that same, in that same position for five years each. Raven, who was also phenomenal, and Chucky, who was a great guy. And so it's, it's always hard coming into a space where there's been familiarity and there's been a legacy and Tim is just really like just taking it all. And, and he's, yeah, he's wonderful. I'm having, we're having so much fun with him. That's awesome. And I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Raven and you, you mentioned Chucky as well. And, you know, sometimes when things end with other band members, past band members, they don't necessarily always end the right way. Sometimes yeah. they end you know, the wrong um, way, yeah. Ne- yeah, the wrong way. Um, what What's the dynamic like between the two of you and past members? So we have a we have a good dynamic with um, with both on a personal level. There was some stuff that went down with Chucky, um, which were which was a little bit hard for us to swallow after after five years of just being in a very tight close knit family. You know, there was some hurt there. There were some things that happened that were like surprising to myself and Ben and. Um, and it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as easy as the exit with Raven. Um, but we are, we're, we're working through it. And like, we also want to make sure that we keep vibes good always. We've been, and I are never, ever, ever two people to burn a bridge, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we, we get to a place where it's like, we're cool again, you know, but it'll take time because we were both, Ben and I were both a bit hurt through the process, um, for a variety of reasons. Raven completely wonderful exit um very honest uh reasoning for wanting to leave the band uh, we were very respect very respectful of his decision um he came to us you know with, with with tour life being difficult and challenging and he came to us with um with a new girlfriend who he was really into and wanting to spend more time at home opened this remarkable recording studio popsicle studios and we totally understood and you know, and, and gave him the, the space to do that. And yeah, so we've, we've always maintained a really, very cool relationship with Rave. And um, I think we'll always be good friends. You know, he, he calls us up uh, whenever he needs anything and we do the same and we've got a, a very cool vibe. So yeah, I think it, for us, it's just, um, you know, you're right. Like sometimes it's, it's hard because you're family and, and when you split up, it could easily be like a breakup, you know, mm. um, and depending on how both parties act. And I think, we've had a bit of both. We've had like a bit of a tough one and we've had a, a, a bit of an easier one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I think our philosophy has always been, because Ben and I started this project together as the two of us and our philosophy with anyone who comes on board has just been like, we don't want to be in a place where we need you. We want to be a place where we like having you around, you know, and um, they should. It's, it's like a marriage. You shouldn't really ever need each other. You should just want to be together and want to make incredible memories together and you should want to just, 
do life together, you know? And that's kind of mm. like our mentality when it comes to anyone who works with us on this project. It's just like, we don't want to get a place where like, you know, we have to, we need you. We just want you to be having fun with us and vice versa. Yeah. I think through all the ups and downs and technical difficulties and all the money raised, you you guys have always been very honest, very authentic, especially on your social media. Um, and you. one of the things that I wanted to talk about specifically because I thought it was very brave at the beginning of the year, you opened up about getting a breast reduction and then yeah. you used that whole experience for like a greater good as it, as it were, because you ultimately got momentum to change their policies. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you wrote it, you deliberated for a while with whether or not you even wanted to make that status. Um, but what ultimately tipped the scales and made you go, you know what, I'm actually going to write this and put this out there. Wow. You know, it was, it was, it was a difficult decision for me um, because I was in hospital in bed and I've mm. come out of surgery and I um, was sort of woozy and feeling weird. And I don't know, I just was thinking about the whole experience after that because it was a very like quick decision for me. I mean, it took me a long time to make the decision, but when I made the decision, it was very quick from making the decision to having the surgery and sort of like just went ahead and applied and got denied and all that. And then I was thinking about it when I came out of it and I was like, this is weird that I that I'm not considered a, a like a legitimate case for, um, you know, for some assistance, especially when I came. I mean, for me, I only actually had a hospital plan. I, did, I wasn't looking to be paid out anything except the hospital bed, really. Um, and that was denied and, you know, whatever, cosmetic elective, whatever the reasoning was. And I just thought, I, I'm struggling every day with this pain and um, I'm not even, I'm not even remotely as big as a lot of women out there are who would have way worse back pain than me. And mm. um, I'm uh, aggrieved that they won't consider this a, a, you know, a legitimate medical condition. Can you imagine if you were like three sizes bigger than me and it's, it's so debilitating that you can't even get out of bed in the morning or whatever, you know, and they just going, no. Um, and then I just thought to myself, you know, maybe this, maybe these policies have been written by men. Maybe they don't understand. There's no empathy. I'm just going to do a little post to see what people, I just tell my story and I did. And I didn't, I honestly did not expect um, the reaction to be so immense. Obviously there are a lot of people that feel the same way that have been to the same thing. And um, yeah, when I posted that post, I, I just expected a few like, you know, comments like, yeah, me too, whatever. But it went completely viral, as you said. Mm. And um, we got into a studio with Momentum. They flew down from Joburg. The MD <laughs> came to see me. Uh, we both discussed and decided it wouldn't be right for them to like pay me out because that's not what it was about. It was about, you know. Um, a greater good. A greater good, the policy change. And I just said, we had a long debate. We spoke. Michael Mole also was here, the doctor, Michael Mole. And we had a, we had a chat three hours where I look I heard this out of the story I understand now a little bit more about the medical aid industry and I understand that it's not as cut and dry as we all sometimes make it out to be but we mm -hmm. had the conversation and they also understood that like this is an opportunity for them to actually have the upper hand on women's issues because they're not the, the, pro the, the problem it seems is that there is a medical council that uh, determines you know what is what is and what isn't a, a necessary operation and um, one of the prerequisites is that they don't feel they should distinguish between men and women but that is impossible we have different bodies entirely you know exactly. um, 
some of them, they don't have ovaries. We do, but like, you know what I mean? So there's certain things that are just not catered for when it comes to women and vice versa when it comes to men. So they accepted that that needs to be challenged and changed. And um, yeah, and we implementing some policies with them as of September, uh, which is very cool. Um, and hopefully, look, I tried with Discovery, but they were very much more difficult to get hold of. I don't know whether they will eventually come around as well, hopefully follow the trend of momentum. But yeah, it was really cool to actually see something, see the power of of influence when it is something that's relatable, you know, and real and raw and just honest. That's it. I mean, there are parts of social media and there are some platforms that are just a really gross cesspool. But like you said, mm. it's really it's really great when you can you can use a platform for good like that, for policy change, for the greater good. So, so yeah, well done. It. I just want, yeah, oh, exactly. I wanted, to, I wanted to give you a little hats off because I thought oh, that was you. bad. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I can't wait to see what kind of innovations come out of the Good Luck HQ because I know that you're consistently working on new things, new ways. Um, yeah, to to just to bring music to us and to, to just make us happy because yeah. a lot of us are not very happy during this yeah. time. Oh my it's god, it's been tough. It's been super tough um, for a lot of people, and that's also okay. You know, um, I think talking about it helps. I think that's one of the being the beautiful things about the lockdown. Like the guests, they're so real. No one's holding back. No one's making it rosy. Everyone's like, oh, this is hard, man. We we're struggling, you know, and. I think it helps everyone to realize that they're not alone too yeah no definitely but jules i just wanted to say thank you this is great thank you tex it's so nice to chat to you thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing for the music industry they try to fight it and most of us just for joining us in studio thank you for joining us for another text talks be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts. listen to text talks on all good streaming platforms myself tex our producers jonathan ings and matt lewitz 
and our assistant researcher and collaborator, Al Clapper. Catch you all on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs>